Welcome to Deeply Disturbing Things. The podcast. I'm Naomi. And I'm Macy. We're a couple of counselors talking about disturbing things. Join us. Welcome. This is our therapy. And speaking of people that need therapy, I'm extremely worried about Britney Spears. Yes, agreed. When Macy walked in, I said, you need to watch this Instagram video that Britney posted and tell me if you're concerned as well. I don't know if other people have seen it, but if you haven't actually watched the video and you just saw the pictures, watch the video of Britney Spears. Yeah, there, there's some very concerning body language. Behavior, yes. um, she sounds like a little a girl. Kid. A little yeah. girl. She seems incredibly anxious. She's like rocking like rhythmically, like mm-hmm. uh, self-soothing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, when I heard all the like free Britney stuff, mm-hmm. I was like, well, yeah, free Britney. I mean, she's been on this thing for like 12 years. She's almost 40. Like, let let her live her life. And then I saw that video. I'm like, oh, maybe, maybe not. Maybe there does need to be a conservatorship. Maybe not her dad. Yeah, like, like maybe, maybe they a, could give that to an third outside party. party. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, but I guess it's going to remain um, in place till next year. No changes. Well, I mean, and what she's presenting, it is it looks like severe trauma. Like it's like child regression and the body movements is very the little childlike voice is very concerning. Yeah. And she just yes. I mean, she didn't look healthy. Mm-mm. She looked like she's like she'd been crying. Yeah, under a lot of stress or something. Yeah. I was I was concerned. I had to watch it twice. I watched it and then Macy came in and I said, watch this with me. <laughs> well, and for someone who's like knows about media and about presentation. Sorry, this is about Britney Spears for those asking. <laughs> uh, who knows about presentation in the media, like how to present how themselves. How images everything. Yeah, it was opposite of that. Like I wouldn't post a video of myself on Facebook looking like that or talking like that. And I post a lot of things that I don't care about my it almost seemed image. like she did it under like duress like she was a hostage like and you have to answer these yeah someone said you need to do this video and answer these questions and and she didn't want to yeah I'm sure if you looked up like a recent Britney Spears video it's on Instagram yeah it's on her Instagram yeah so check it out it's interesting behavior for someone who is what do you say 40 Almost 40, I Almost think. 40 yeah. years old. Yeah. I mean, I get the free Britney thing. Um, I'm all for, you know, Auto- rights autonomy. of mentally ill and all that. But there's something going on there. And obviously the courts and they get the full story. So mm-hmm. their decision to keep the conservatorship in place is based on something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Ah. Oh. Hi. Hi. So your son made this cool creative. Yeah. What did he say it was called? I don't know. It was a, a oscilloscope. Oscilloscope. I think it was a oscilloscope. Where he turned like a an audio wave sideways, right? He, yeah. He turned like music into video on an old like TV that has different technology from the old days, and so it makes <laughs> static, perhaps I like pretty designs with audio he's very creative yeah but we know that when he's been into our stuff because we came in here and macy's headphones are missing (laughs) and the volumes are all uh, askew Uh uh (laughs) i'm like i'm sorry i have a creative kid it's you know 
Well, we it's had, mostly good, but there's been a few bads. We had that one podcast about you doing your laundry in the basement. Yeah, I mean, that was one where I did lose my shit and I did lose my cool as a parent because I went down to do my laundry and I saw that he had pulled back the rug in front of the washer and dryer and painted like a satanic summoning circle <laughs> right where I stand to do the laundry. So <laughs> do you think I'd that was intentional? In the like the location circle. of it? I think it was just a nice he wasn't trying to floor. send you off no but then what i was really like that made me mad but what made me really mad is he'd gone into my stuff and found my great grandmother's candlesticks and that was like part of the thing of the part of the rich, ritual i was like oh hell no <laughs> not one of my proudest moments as a parent but i do lose my shit sometimes mostly i think i'm a good parent but that was one where i'm looking back yeah i probably screamed and yelled a little bit more than i needed to well you know it was satan that's what you can blame also it on. Satan i screamed did it. and yelled when he pried up the wooden floorboards of the bedroom upstairs because he wanted to find a toy he thought had rolled under there when he was a child this was like in the like a year and a half ago that's odd yeah i was pissed <laughs> i mean this is like this is an old house it's original yeah. yeah and he decided to pry up one of the floorboards like oh my god ah, creative kids yeah pros and cons of having a creative kid your stuff will always be missing and destroyed that's the con that sounds like <laughs> every parent i've heard talk about kids in general uh so I got off of work today and there's a house fire just on the other side of my like neighborhood there. And it was, uh, I was, you had to have like the sprinklers on. I was super scared that it was going to spread in the neighborhood and I'd have to, I was already like prioritizing. What do I load up in my car? Told you. Yep. Yeah. you got to get the tote. I know. I was like, we just talked about a go bag. <laughs> I mean, I, I haven't had fully time to process go bag yet. <laughs> gotta get the go bag and a tote a tote also where you can just toss things in a tote like where you have you know snacks or mm. you know things that you have gotcha. at the ready and shoes because i heard that's something people forget flee really quickly and they don't have time to have shoes i mean we wouldn't mm. have that problem because all our shoes are right by the front door but non-asian folk might, might struggle <laughs> with not having Shoes. shoe availability. Oh, yeah. I'd be running around, where was my shoes at? <laughs> where are my car keys? Exactly. So yeah. you, in your tote, put a, be a pair of shoes. And a spare set of car keys. Look Good at idea. That. Yeah, yeah. Yep. I, a while back, I uploaded copies of all important documents to the cloud, but I also have copies um, in a binder mm -hmm. in the Go area. Yeah. You know, like birth certificates, social security cards, that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I could. Those would be easy grabs. Uh, it was more of like, okay, so like I have to find the cats. Like, <laughs> yeah, we only have one cat thing? carrier. So there, there'd be some choices, some hard choices that would have to be I made. I would just toss them all in the car and see what happens. <laughs> Loose, yeah. That's what'll happen. Uh, yeah, so that's my check in. That's a good check in. I just got back from Portland not too long ago. Oh. I went for the weekend. How was it? Uh, it was beautiful there, beautiful weather. It's the first time I've been like away from the house f since last year, you know, for an extended period of time. And the first time I've been out of town. And so the nice. whole first day, I had a horrible anxiety, 
horrible, horrible. But then like the next day it was better and, and, and I'm glad it was, it was good to get out of town and, you know, Portland's a mess. But yeah. Yeah. It was beautiful weather. <laughs> That's good. I got to see my childhood friend. So that was nice. And Asher got to skate at Griffith Skate Park, which is his favorite skate park. He was tearing it up. So, yeah. Nice. How was that? Cool. It's already hot in here. Um, sorry. I forgot to run the AC prior to the cast. I can tell. It's all right. So next week, we're going to um, do our crossover episode with the Dylan and Tommy show. So make sure oh, you is it next week? watch Not the movie. Tomorrow? No, it's the Good to know. September 1st, I think. Not tomorrow. Not okay. tomorrow. I thought it was tomorrow. A different day. Good. <laughs> I can do a different day. Easier than tomorrow. You have time to watch the movie. Yeah, though. exactly. Okay. <laughs> gonna... I've seen it before, but it's been a while. And I've seen it actually multiple times, but it's been a while. I need to watch it maybe one more time. Sweeney Todd, right? Yeah. Okay. I watched it once, but I feel like to really be able to draw out some details, I probably want to watch it again. Oh, you know another show I want to watch is the Lovecraft Country. I don't know what that is. It's a new HBO show. Um, it looks really good. Super good. Yes, super good. It's like sci-fi meets racism. Oh. Mm-hmm. It's like like in a good way or a bad way. Well, I haven't seen it yet. Oh. But it's <laughs> it sounds bad. I don't it's know. Sci-fi racist. It's Jordan Peele, so he did like. Like, is it racist? Get out. Well, it explores. Lasers. I haven't seen it, but I it, it set back in like the fifties. Okay. And it oh. explores the town where I guess H.P. Lovecraft got a lot of inspiration from, or something. Okay. So there's like creatures, but also like exploring racism. Hmm. It looks good. Okay. I'll report back. Sounds Sometimes J.J. Abrams stuff goes a little bit off the rails later. Mm. Mm-hmm. I mean, I still don't know what the fuck happened in Lost. I I can't. All I hear people say is there's a polar bear on the island. Is that right? A polar bear? I don't even remember. I, think I, I don't know. I had to just put it away because I was wanting to figure it out for so long and there was just like no satisfaction. No solution. Yeah. No, the loose ends did not get tied, if you will. So... I've, I had a weird, interesting hobby come out of nowhere because oh. I had a previous employee who never returned to get his stuff. And I noticed in his stuff, he had these Japanese pens, hmm. like really high quality, nice pens, like like standard writing pens, but nice. And now I've like I am there's like Japanese writing materials are apparently a thing in the Tokyo pen store, Tokyo pen, hmm. something like that has like these really cool like journals that you can put inserts in of all these different like you piecemeal together your like traveler's notebook they call it it's really neat traveler's notebook it's super cool and you get stickers and like these inserts it's cool so i'm going to bring it and show it to you that sounds great it's very nerdy but i'm hey i (laughs) collected stamps as a child (laughs) well i'm an adult and these are pens i like office supplies also Mm mm-hmm they have like the really cool highlighters that like the like different like colors. I love looking standard. at full sets of pens and not using them and just having them be pristine and just in a available. Row. Yes. I think it comes from working at the high school with all the high schoolers who they stole would the sharpies. Steal the sharpies. Those I... Little thieving MFers. Yeah, they do. And they, you know, they which always ones... stole the red from me. 
always. Metallic would go for me. I'd have the shiny one. Oh, and, yeah. Or shiny gold and shiny, shiny silver. Shiny. So shiny. Like, dude, I know you just used it on your assignment and then it's gone. Of course it was you. It's literally like signing your What's name and walking What's away. <laughs> Deny everything. Well, and that's all they do. They're, no, I didn't see it. And then that's it. Like, you can't do anything about it. No, you're not going to frisk them. No. Definitely don't want to see what's in their backpacks. Mm -mm. <laughs> <laughs> don't want to know. <laughs> you get to go first today. I'm excited about my topic. Very excited. One thing that is nice about um, this podcast is it gives us the opportunity to like look beyond headlines. Because sometimes you see a headline and you, that's all. You don't really look into it for whatever reason. Um, so this... Like Free Britney. Like Free Britney, yeah. I looked into it now. I'm like, okay, I understand on a different level than <laughs> Understanding I did before. changes perspective. It does, yeah. So I'm going to talk about the Slenderman and the Slenderman stabbing. Oh, okay, okay. Do you remember that? Yeah, Slenderman, that yeah. So... I remember like the cult following. Yeah, tell me what you know about the Slenderman. I mean, I know very little, but I know like the online following was huge with like middle school, high school age people and probably others, but um, that it would, wasn't it that they he would influence them to, to like hurt people or hurt themselves, something like that? There's a lot. Okay. <laughs> I was going to say that there was a lot there for a while and it seemed like it just kind of went away at some point. Well, I was just looking it up yesterday, so it hasn't gone away entirely. Okay, still there. I will tell you all about it. But yeah, I think it probably hit the height of its popularity it, when the stabbing happened. Yeah, probably, and I know it was really creepy was like looking. Five years ago or so. Like a tall, thin man. Yes. Um, like in a suit tux. Oh, sure, picture. Not a tux, it was a suit. Yeah, suit. Kind of some um, similarities to like a skeleton jack physique yeah kind of that long bony look yeah so here's some different depictions there's yeah. a lot of mm -hmm. fan art yeah that's what i've seen a lot of the one where he's like holding the little girl's hand and he has no face i think that was one of the um this one where he's holding the little girl's hand bothers me because the girl's face looks really close if not exactly the same as the girl that got stabbed oh that's scary i don't know if that's Maybe intentional that's why. or if that's but yeah it's, it makes it um extra disturbing <laughs> so the slender man or slenderman as he's commonly called was very popular a few years back was considered the modern day boogeyman so he had a formless face so those kind of like the suggestion of eyes features, and features. but they were kind of absolved in. Yeah. yeah. So it made it extra creepy. Um, he doesn't speak. So that gives a lot of room for projection and interpretation about what the Slenderman actually is. So the first Slenderman post was in 2009 on forums.somethingawful.com by Victor Surge. That's a screen name. So he created the Slenderman photos as part of a contest to make a photograph that looked real but wasn't. So attached to the, the post are the first images of Slenderman. So you see Slenderman lurking behind 
black and white photograph of teens yeah, from decades before. So he's tall and thin. And then you can see him at a playground with small children in the background. And the photo caption reads, photographer assumed dead. So this is one of the photos that he made as part of this contest. You can see Slenderman back mm-hmm. there. Kind of a lurking dark figure. Yeah. So it looks real. So that was the whole purpose of these photographs that Victor Surge made was to make something that looked real. So this is like modern folklore, digital folklore, urban legends created on the internet, virtual myth building. So Slenderman. Such an interesting concept. Yeah. yeah. That you can just create Definitely any age. mythos. Yeah. So from there, Slenderman spread to every available media platform, like Tumblr, DeviantArt. Do you remember DeviantArt? Mm-hmm. It was like yeah. super popular yeah. back in the day. Um, YouTube, 4chan, <laughs> Paranormal Board. So a lot of sites that heavily feature fan art. So it's a, a chance for people to put their own spin on Slenderman and add to the, the lore. I guess you would call it. So Creepypasta Wiki. I love Creepypasta. Uh, so I just looked at Slenderman on Creepypasta Wiki yesterday. S- still alive and well. Have you ever watched, Wiki. watched Salad Fingers? I have not even like really explored Creepypasta much. So there's one called Salad Fingers and... It's really, it's very creepy. Um, again, fandom type stuff. Trogdor came from that as well. Trogdor, Bernanatin, the village. Trogdor. Am I going to have to take some <laughs> long walks on Creepypasta? I think you should. I think there's actually some <laughs> valid. Well, um, I love stories. Depth to, to them. They're very like, okay, like Trogdor one is a bit f- more funny side. Salad Fingers is like creepy uh, alternative style stuff. I mean, I like started reading Stephen King when I was you'd, in you'd elementary like school. Yeah. All right. So this is from Creepypasta Wiki on Slenderman describing the appearance. The Slenderman is a being, male in appearance, who looks like a man with extremely long, slender arms and legs. He also appears to have four to eight in eight long black tentacles that protrude from his back. Though different photographs and enthusiasts disagree on this fact, and therefore it is theorized he can contract these tentacles at will. Oh, yeah, I've seen one where it looks like almost like octopus arms coming mm-hmm. out. Yeah. And then they're not in every image. No, so other times he's just like, looks like, like shoot arms. them out to grab them. <laughs> He's described as wearing a black suit, strikingly similar to the visage of the notorious men in black, and as the name suggests, appears very thin and able to stretch his limbs and torso to inhuman lengths in order to induce fear and ensnare his prey. Once his arms are outstretched, his victims are put into something of a hypnotized state where they are utterly helpless to stop themselves from walking into them. So a little bit on behaviors, because Creepypasta Wiki has categories. Mm -hmm. His main intentions appear to be kidnapping children, as when he is seen near them in photographs, 
they usually disappear shortly afterwards. Dun, dun, dun. And then there are there's a section on their historical references. And this section is where folks try to make it seem very believable. Like there's a legitimate Slenderman, like trying to create history around it, lore. Mm-hmm. So one um, that they had on there was Brazilian cave paintings. So there's an image of a Slenderman looking uh, figure on a cave wall. And it says the earliest argued reference to the legend is within the cave paintings found in the Serra de Capivara National Park in the northeast of Brazil, which are believed to date from as far back as 9000 BCE. These paintings show a strangely elongated character leading a child by the hand, but make no reference to the extra appendages. So I did not take the time to see if this was a fan art created representation of an ancient cave painting or if this is actually a Brazilian cave painting. The world may never know, except for the guy that made up Slenderman. He knows. (laughs) So now let's talk about the stabbing. May 31st, 2014. I don't know how to pronounce this city name. Waukesha, Wisconsin. Might not be Waukesha, but it looks like Waukesha in the spelling. A man called 911. He said he was riding his bike and came across a 12-year-old girl named Peyton Lutner laying in the grass covered in stab wounds. Even though she was weak and having difficulty breathing, she was able to identify her attackers as her two best friends, Morgan Geiser and Anissa Wire, who were also age 12. They had tackled her and stabbed her 19 times and then left her to die in the woods. They had told her to lie down so she would bleed out slower. How kind of them, I guess. She had dragged herself closer to the road to try to get help. Police found the girls about five hours away sitting on the side of the road. They were arrested and interrogated without their parents present. Morgan appeared to lack empathy and was somewhat evasive in her answering of questions. At times, she was seen dancing in the interrogation room. Anissa was direct in her retelling of what had happened. Both shared that they had to kill their friend to appease appease the Slenderman. So what were you doing when you were 12? Were you like (laughs) trying to stab your friend or anything like that? No, I played in the woods a lot. Hmm. I don't know. This occurred in the woods. I went to the movies sometimes. <laughs> so I was like sixth grade, right? Yeah. Twelve. Yeah. What happened? I started my period when I was twelve. I was Thirteen. Yeah. Um. I don't know. That was like my most awkward of teen years. I probably would have been the one stabbed, to be honest. Like, when you were twelve, that was in the scenario. Awkward. I probably would have hung out with the two girls who were like plotting against me, and I thought they would want to be my friends. Like, the, I could totally see that being the scenario. It would have been me. And then you would have gotten stabbed. In the woods. Yeah, and I'd be like, okay, do I just lay here longer? Is that, <laughs> is that right? <laughs> it seems to make sense. I don't know. They seem like they know what they're talking about. <laughs> yeah, and they obviously have my best interest in mind. Yeah, clearly. Uh, yeah. But, you know, they're my friends. So why not? When I was 12, I mean, I was 
just starting to get into some bad girl stuff. You would have been the one stabbing me. <laughs> I'm I mean, I I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I don't want to say. We can't go back in time. This is all purely conjecture at this point. Um to be fair, you'd be older than me as well, just by a little bit. Oh yeah, so. I'll say then I wouldn't have because then you would have been like a little kid. I'm not gonna stab a little kid. Yeah, that's rude. That's so rude. <laughs> that's a different kind of crime entirely. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, so um, when Morgan was being interrogated, she said, I didn't want to do this. I was afraid of what would happen if I didn't. When asked if she honestly believed that her families would be killed if they didn't appease the Slenderman, Anissa stated, well, yeah, he can be anywhere from six to 14 feet tall. He constantly wears a suit. He doesn't have a face. He has skin that is white at his own will. He can like explode these tendrils from his back and like strangle his victims. And Morgan said, he watches you. He can read minds and he has teleportation skills. So Morgan and Nisa were interviewed in separate rooms by separate investigators. So Morgan was asked, why did you decide to stab Peyton? And she said, it was necessary. In the court proceedings, one of the investigators was asked if Morgan seemed remorseful for what she had done. And he replied, absolutely not. She had none. He stated that there was no emotion from her at all. She did not cry once. Did they ever say like where they heard it from? Are you getting there? Creepypasta wiki. Oh, okay. So that's where they... Okay. That's why I started there. I so was I'm like, oh, I'm going to check out this creepypasta wiki. I mean, I first heard about it when I was in high school was where when the age range that I first stumbled upon it. So I get it. Yeah. It was the darkest of my ages. So it seems makes enticing. sense. It, it is. I think my darkest age was freshman high school. I think I was like sophomore. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. just like so rough all the way around there's so much happening and then i discovered drugs and i was like oh everything's better now oh this is how other people <laughs> handle this you mean i don't just have to suffer oh not I that i'm recommending drugs to anybody i suffered out there that was listening <laughs> right now there's way better coping skills i just did not know of any at the time okay sorry i interrupted you no please chime in um okay so Peyton survived the horrific stabbing the surgeon said really 19 stab yeah. wounds the surgeon said if one of the wounds had been a hair's length deeper she would have died because it would have um cut into her primary artery artery, artery. yeah yeah because you making I'm, I'm a stabbing stab motion you wound, wounds towards my heart yeah that spot <laughs> she was stabbed in the chest stomach arms and legs even though she was being rushed into surgery, the detective had to ask her who did this because she might not survive. Like mm -hmm. it was that touch and go. So she named Morgan her best friend. She said Morgan had stabbed her. And then later while recovering. I don't recovering, know if that's how I would phrase that. Morgan, my best friend stabbed me. I feel like Morgan, my fierce enemy. It wasn't now. best friend though. <laughs> you know how, be how betrayed you would feel like at that age, you feel betrayed if somebody like 
I don't know, like made fun Won't of the scrunchie you that you wore, <laughs> or like, yeah, they sat next to somebody else. Oh, that would be a major. But like, deal. if you stab me, I I would feel so level. sad. I would judge myself harshly. <laughs> I think you know Pey- Peyton was pretty resilient. Yeah, absolutely. Later, while recovering, she told the investigator that Morgan should go to jail for the rest of her life. She felt that Anissa should go to jail too, but not for as long because she didn't stab her. But she did stand there and watch. Fair and fair. Morgan's mother said she had always done her own thing and marched to the beat of her own drum, not caring what others thought. Morgan's mother said she didn't react to things as expected, like when watching movies. When Morgan watched Bambi for the first time, she did not get upset when the mother died. She shouted, run, Bambi, run, get out of there, save yourself. Mm-hmm. Which I'm not going to pathologize because I didn't I even mean, have an awareness that Bambi's mother had died. I was so Bambi centric when I was watching those movies. I was because that was the kid character. Like you're going to identify with the kid character. I cried. Like what happens to the adults it's was like not Lion necessarily King. on my radar. It's like Lion King when Mufasa died. Like it's gut wrenching. Oh, I can't watch that stuff now. Fucking Dumbo. Oh, that's no. sad. No, I cannot. Watch I think that. I was more resilient as a child, to be honest. Like, because you see it with like, and some of those layers don't hit. Yeah, that's what I mean. Like, I wasn't really aware. And like, yeah. pretty quickly after Bambi dies, like Thumper comes in. It's like a whole different vibe. And then it's like fun. And yeah, and that's the part like I really you meet remember. Flower. Yes. <laughs> yes, that's what I meant. Flower. Okay. Well, Thumper, Thumper was there. That's the rabbit. Who's Flower? Flower's the skunk. Oh, that's right. Because he wow. smells sweet. I like haven't watched Bambi since being a child, and I still can pull those characters. No, that's good. I <laughs> can't. <laughs> it must have been all the drugs. <laughs> it wasn't my favorite kids' Disney movie, though. I liked um, Robin Hood a lot better. Mm. Mm-hmm. The animated with the foxes. I think I've decided that as an adult, I still like, I still prefer animated movies and cartoons over a lot of adult movies. and shows totally fair yeah they're just better honestly oh, well i think you can do things with an animated film that you can't with live action i mean, i love avatar and the legend of korra if you haven't seen them they're very i good. haven't seen the legend of korra i saw avatar once and did not enjoy it. wait which avatar oh the one with the not the blue people okay you're talking about oh the last gosh. airbender yes obviously yes, that the last is airbender. a really really good story okay thank you thank you yeah legend of, of my Korra, favorite legend of Korra comes after last airbender yeah last airbender is actually super one good. of the best animated shows i like up there with like samurai jack for me mm-hmm. and i'm not a big animated watcher so i like it some anime to too like cowboy bebop is super good i like the music yeah, there's some yeah, some good cowboy <laughs> cowboy music. Anyway, sorry, go on. Tangent. Uh, okay. No, it's good because it like all ties in. Anissa's dad says he did all he could to monitor her internet activity and does not agree with criticism that he should have been more aware. So here's a picture of Morgan and Anissa after they're arrested. Oh, I remember seeing those mugshots. Yeah. Yeah. I have to say, like, it would be really hard for a parent, especially back then, even. It's only like five years ago. I know, but still, like, they're not parents. Like, what are they going to 
monitor really like a kid watching no i i mean if you're gonna give your kids a phone and a laptop you pretty much have to realize you're giving up a lot of control because they're smarter than you they and they'll hide it and they know how to hide it yeah like i just had to be like well i hope those seeds of goodness i planted in them are gonna keep them from the dark web Mm -hmm. and porn and whatever and it probably only did 10 (laughs) percent of the time but that's a that can be enough to pull them through. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> technology know. is rough nowadays. I mean, as it's... long as they stay off the pole, I'm doing my job as a parent, right? Well, you didn't have daughters. I had to pause to actually <laughs> reflect, and I was like, oh no, she hasn't. <laughs> Why don't they have male pole dancers? They probably are. That's probably very gender. Probably a niche market. Yeah. Okay. So let's talk about the stabbing. The three girls had had a sleepover for Morgan's 12th birthday. So I I just want to repeat that again. Like she was just 11, like the day before. So it's it's pretty young. Like 12 mm-hmm. almost sounds like, oh, she's a teenager. But when you think 11, 11 it sounds like, oh, she's a kid. Yeah, it's like, like there's a big difference. My only like real memory was when I turned 13 and I was like, oh, I'm, I'm a teenager now. <laughs> That's it. I don't remember 11. Eleven. I mean, eleven. I probably still had full pajamas. Yeah, I probably still full pajamas as opposed to what? Well, like Half the pajamas full footy of a pajamas. I'm talking footies <laughs> here. I don't know. I probably still did Easter Bunny. I don't know. How oh, I'm gonna work? get into that. Oh, mm, good foreshadowing. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> so Anissa and Morgan had originally planned to kill Peyton that night at the sleepover. They were going to tape her mouth Premeditated, shut, yeah. Stab her in the neck, hide her under the covers, and make it look like she was sleeping to buy them time, and then run away. But they were too tired. Because, you know, when you stay up late, you know, you have all these plans like, oh, we're going to sneak out, and then sometimes you end up crashing. Which is why I used to drink pitchers of my mom's instant coffee if I knew I was going to sneak out later so I wouldn't fall asleep. And yes, it was as disgusting as it sounds. That's very premeditated. Cold <laughs> pitchers of instant coffee. It's really gross. It's fucking gross. <laughs> but it did the job. I was awake. <laughs> so Morgan said she wanted to give Peyton at least one more morning. So they had breakfast in the morning. The mom made like some special birthday breakfast. And then they said they were going to play in the park. Uh, parents have no idea there's anything going on Morgan took a knife from the kitchen and hid it in the sleeve of her jacket because it was like cold still mm-hmm. so they had like winter jacket on it had a five inch blade so that's like this long Jeez. and Anissa said at this point her main worry was about seeing a dead person so she wasn't worried about killing their friend she was worried about like seeing a dead person after so the three Hmm. girls played on the playground equipment for a while and then went to the bathroom where they had their second plan to kill Peyton there and the reason they chose that bathroom was because they knew there was a drain in the floor and the blood would be able to pour down the drain and maybe hide some evidence Jeez, this is a lot of planning for a bundle of 12-year-olds. That's their BFF. Hmm. They're very much planning. She looks very nice. 
So I have to say, I'm gonna I'm gonna profile here a little bit, but okay. the the two that stabbed look more social outcasty in mm-hmm. the pictures you showed me. Um, they look more like the like they were probably closer. Peyton actually surprises me because I mean she she looks like the kid that would have a lot of friends. So Peyton and Morgan were friends first mm-hmm. for a couple of years, and Nisa is new to the group. Okay, so now not that I want to say it's all Anissa's fault. No, but it's basically but Morgan has brought, a new friend. Well, I think Anissa new brought influence. maybe a new influence and potentially jealousy, and because she's a new thing. But doesn't that um, fan art that I showed you? Yeah, it looks the little like girl her. Look like her. Yeah, it's probably why they. I don't know if it's it. intentional or not, but it disturbed me. So they were going to kill Peyton in a bathroom stall and then leave her there to bleed out down the drain. Um, Anissa had read on the Creepypasta wiki that it was easier to kill someone when they were asleep or unconscious. Because when you look into a person's eye, you can see yourself and you don't want to be killing yourself. So Creepypasta Wiki apparently has some advice on how to murder somebody. Yeah, I could see it saying something like that. (laughs) Anissa tried to knock Peyton out by slamming her head against the concrete wall. Jeez. But it didn't work. It's pretty brutal. Yeah. And then according to Anissa, at this point, Morgan started freaking out and said she couldn't do it. She couldn't go through with it. She was too scared. Anissa said she had to hug Morgan and pet her like she was a cat to calm her down. Mm. I'm feeling more influence as we go on. And I did not find the answer to this question in my research, but I'm wondering why Anissa, after her head got slammed into a concrete wall, or why Peyton, after her head got slammed into a concrete wall by Anissa, did not go home? At that point, I mean, they must have done some explaining to her if oh, that was an sorry. accident or, you know. Well, yeah, I mean, again. Not that I want to blame a victim. Macy on the school bus who was like, yeah, I, I like you. You're really nice. Oh, really? And then everyone starts laughing in the back of the school bus. Like, or somebody you want to believe like you're on a the, fun trip. The, like, like, oops, you're right. You wouldn't hurt me intentionally. Yeah, who that was does an that? Who does that at twelve? Oops, Sorry, I 13. tripped. I tripped in my. Oops, I aggressively slammed your head against the wall. I, yeah, and now I'm sad that I didn't kill you. And now oops. I'm. Now we got to go to Plan C. Let's keep hanging out. So, Plan C. Morgan and Anissa came out of the bathroom and told Peyton they were going to play hide-and-seek. Morgan and Anissa were going to hide in different places, so they were going to separate and then, quote, be like lionesses chasing down a zebra, unquote. That's Anissa explaining their plan. I don't like her. She scares me. Peyton said Anissa pulled her deeper and deeper into the woods. Morgan and Anissa were interviewed separately six hours after the stabbing. As soon as they were taken into the police station in handcuffs, they were read their rights and signed that they understood. And again, this is without parents present. 
which is a which is legal in that area that state so here's a little bit of the interrogation so morgan asked do you know what happened to bella because morgan and Anissa called peyton bella because i guess there was another peyton so they like renamed her bella she didn't get her name either yeah. that sounds familiar okay is she dead <laughs> morgan asked when the investigator tells her he doesn't know, but says she was taken to the hospital, Morgan looks up quickly, like like this, like she's looking down. And when he says she was taken to the hospital, she like looks up, like all alert, and then goes, "I was just wondering." <laughs> the investigator mm-hmm. asks, "So did you guys talk about this beforehand?" Morgan said, "Anissa told me we had to, because she said he'd kill our families." Who's he? A man. I didn't know him, but Anissa knew him. And then Anissa is tearful at times during the interview, said, so there's this website called the Creepypasta Wiki. It's full of horror stories that are meant to purposely scare you through like online literature and all that. And there's one called Slenderman. From the Creepypasta Wiki, he targets children the most. So I was really scared knowing that Slenderman could easily kill my whole family in three seconds. Who's Slenderman? The investigator asked Morgan. He's uh, this tall, faceless man who preys on children. He's everywhere. How do you know that? Because I've read so many things about him. Anissa had introduced Morgan to Creepypasta. Mm-hmm. And she had told... Anissa, I think I saw Slenderman when I was like five. So Morgan, after Anissa introduces Creepypasta Wiki to Morgan, says that she thinks she saw Slenderman. Anissa said, he has these proxies or servants, as people call them. And Morgan said, hey, Anissa, we should be proxies. I was like, okay, how do we do that? (laughs) That's so 12, 13 years old. (laughs) Yeah, okay, how? How? What do I do? And she said, we have to kill Bella. And that's where most kids would go. (laughs) That's where it's divergent. (laughs) Yeah. No. (laughs) We had to prove ourselves worthy to Slender. If you're a proxy, proxy, supposedly you live in Slender Mansion that all the creepypastas supposedly live in. And it's supposedly in the middle of Nicolay National Park. A lot of supposedly's. I wanted to prove all skeptics wrong. And then the investigator said, did you think you actually had to kill somebody to do it? Like for real? And Anissa said, yeah. Mm, So she was the driving force. (sighs) Well, maybe. (laughs) The investigator said, what did you think of this when she was telling you? And Anissa said, I was surprised, but like also kind of excited. So they're kind of blaming each other for the idea. Okay. Okay. The investigator said, so you guys have been planning this a while. And Morgan said, since December. Dang. She was my best friend since fourth grade. Hmm. That's so sad. Why did you pick Peyton? I didn't pick her. It was whoever Anissa was talking about. She made it seem necessary. That's what Anissa kept telling me, and I believed her. So kids, little kids, may not know the difference between fantasy and reality. Mm -hmm. 
So I know, you know, a lot of parents are like, are there warning signs that I should see? But if you're looking at not knowing the difference between fantasy and reality, that's going to be very difficult to say what is completely normal development and what is cause for concern for pathology. And kids may not be able to discern internet content that is real from what is something that is fake, but is made to look real. And I want to say that's not just true for kids. Adults also <laughs> I was just say have that trouble whole time. Like, discerning real internet, real news or documentation. Hashtag from fake. fake news. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. I, I don't think maybe this was the first time it was really brought media wise of like, how ah, well, obviously that's fake. But again, all you have to do is really personally align with your values and beliefs to something to then have that uh, confirmation bias take over where everything you see here becomes a confirmation of what you believe. So this is 2014. And here we are, you know, five, six years later. And people this, don't learn their lessons and technology is also improved so it's a lot easier to make Even something more accessible. that looks real mm -hmm. that looks legit so we just have to be very discerning but we can't expect that of our kids this is where parents need to come in mm -hmm. and i know it's hard to monitor but i think that you can do it if you spend time with your kids as i say even just like talking to them so for example my dad knew about Trogdor and Salad Fingers. <laughs> oh, nice. like because I would talk to him about it and I and like we watched the Trogdor videos and we'd laugh and it was funny, like a thing together. Um, there was nothing that I'd w honestly ever watched on there that I would be afraid to tell my dad about because we had such an open communication. But I could see like if you are used to not telling and it's secretive and mm -hmm. that's like your world, you could really dive into that. You could. And if you know, you have alone time with your, mm -hmm. you know, back then. Devices. Yeah, I probably wasn't cell phones as much. Maybe. I just had my, yeah, I couldn't. Laptops or something. Yeah. 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 So I think that in this case, they're really looking into should kids have known the difference? Trying to look into that for part of the competency. But, I mean, adults can't even do this. So I think these are fresh 12-year-olds. Fresh 12 Fresh. <laughs> in the height of hormone and peer influence. And like the worst times of teenage them. <laughs> yes. No, I agree with that completely. I'm, I mean, you and I are both child mental health specialists, which means we've had extensive training and experience working with kids. And I worked with high schoolers that had worse judgment over things. <laughs> like it's, it's a problem, but it's brain development. Like you can't have that not happen. The prefrontal cortex isn't working the way it's that wonky. it does as you're an adult. But as an adult, you just willingly shut it off. Yeah, that's why you got to get your information from diverse sources. My dad posted, Trogdor, burning up the villages. I'm going to have to look that up now. We're going to, yeah, we'll have a little video sesh after. So Anissa did watch some dark stuff on the internet. It's a dragon with a muscly arm. Oh. So later, investigators confiscated her ipad and was looking at like the history and everything um and when she did get her ipad she did start to withdraw from spending as much time with the family 
Anissa was already socially isolated. So I say she looked a little outcasty. I can sense one of my own. A little, <laughs> you can. We can sense the tribe. Um, she didn't have friends at school. Kids were mean to her. They'd push her buttons and make her cry. And then Anissa made a connection with Morgan. So they bonded over mutual interest in Slenderman. So it was like this big, like draw on their friendship. And it really just spiraled out of control from there. And Morgan herself didn't have a large social group. So being that it's just the two of them, there's not a lot of opportunity for... Feedback. Yeah, feedback. Like <laughs> you, Sounds like a bad idea, friend. Yeah, like <laughs> Slenderman's not real or like, why don't really? we do something different Really, today? you believe that? Like even just that moment would make you go, no. <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah, no, not really. So if they were part of a bigger friend group, though, it would have been more opportunity for different influences. And the, this is an ex obsessive age. Like, I was so obsessed with Duran Duran in, like, <laughs> sixth grade. Like, I don't think people understand. Like, I almost ended a friendship with my best friend because she didn't seem to like Duran Duran as much as me. And... You know, I assigned her which one she could be in love with. And it was different than the one I was in love with. Like, it was obsessive. Like, it was very obsessive. You would have been the one to stab me. And so. I would have so, been like, I don't like Duran Duran. Wrong generation, yo. <laughs> we would have had something else. <laughs> it, I was Britney Spears era, unfortunately. But I didn't. I, oh, I, I was a nerve. Britney. I was a Nirvana. Like I, my dad turned me into all of that after my country music era. Oh my god! When I was younger, Missy, you have not disclosed <laughs> your country music <laughs> era before. How do you phrase it? Sprinkling in. Uh, yeah, no, like Shania Twain. I was actually in the. Um, oh gosh, what was her name? Uh, who's a your? Oh, Jewel. I was in the Jewel fan club for a long while. Oh, the female folk. Yeah, um, my grandpa actually signed me up for that, and I'd get like, oh, like you really mean a fan club? I didn't make it; I was in it. My grandpa signed me up for this fan club, and I got like signed like letters from her at one point, which I have no idea where they are anymore, um, and like stickers and all these different things from from Jewel. But Shania Twain was a thing. Um, what was your favorite Shania Twain song? Because I only know one. I don't honestly. And it was like. I honestly don't remember. I know Jewel. Didn't you the sing most. the one of "Whose Bed Have Your Boots Been Under"? I'm just, I don't know. I honestly that's the no only idea. like there was one CD played, at the, the time that came out that I had. So I and I don't know. But then it shifted, and that's where my brain actually starts remembering things. Uh, was when it shifted, cleaning my dad's bathroom, and there was a Nirvana CD, and I played Nirvana, and I'm like, what is this? And your <laughs> and, soul was saved. Yeah, and it was wonderful. And then it was like Alice in Chains. My first actual like own CD that I got was from my Aunt Kim, and it was Alanis. Oh, you had a sub-pop grunge face. It was Alanis Morissette, and, and she made isn't me... Isn't that ironic? Isn't it? She made me, at that question, she made me answer <laughs> what ironic means before she would purchase the cd for me i remember that specifically sitting in the car feeling like i was being quizzed in order to have like a million dollars that's what it felt like to me did you win i did she got me that she gave me ding, the cd ding, ding. i know it was nice winner winner chicken dinner yeah oh i'm proud of you thanks um <laughs> so <laughs> oh, memories 
Easter Bunny you mentioned. Yes, I did. We encourage I kids like Easter to believe in things that aren't real. <laughs> and I'm not religious at all. <laughs> I like finding the eggs. That's great. A giant human-sized bunny that. No, my dad put them in the yard, and they had in money in it and candy. Okay. No, I wasn't stupid. <laughs> but think about this, though. We encourage kids to believe in make-believe characters and things. Like we encourage it. Dare I say Santa Claus? Santa Claus, Tooth Fairy, Tooth Fairy. I did Tooth Fairy to my kids, and I actually threatened them when they <laughs> were like starting to doubt it. I go, well. If you don't believe in the tooth fairy, I guess you don't get any more tooth fairy money. And then suddenly they're like, we believe, we believe, we believe. <laughs> I I have to say my dad made it very convincing. Like it was the, like he did all those extra steps to like make, take the bite out of the cookie. Like the milk was, he went above and beyond. I was fairly convinced for a while. Like who would get up in the middle of the night and do that other than Santa Claus? My son Asher, when he was six, devastated another six-year-old Gentile girl by (laughs) telling her, this is a quote, Santa Claus isn't real. It's just your dad. (laughs) She burst into tears. Ruined her childhood. It was a whole thing. (laughs) Like, her mom had to take her home. That was crying in the car. It was like a whole thing. I'm like, sorry. one more gentile kid's life ruined by a jewish kid (laughs) (laughs) i mean honestly like my christmas years just get worse after santa didn't exist (laughs) so (laughs) you get half as half as many presents that's right because you get presents from santa and presents from the the rents as well yeah 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 so I mean, I just wanted to throw that in because here are two 12-year-olds and, like, it doesn't make it that outlandish that they would believe in Slenderman. No, I believed in worse. But that was a big part of their competency hearings and, you know, their psychological testing and everything to see if they really believe this or not. I spent, like, two weeks solidly believing that, like, about, like, I think you'd mentioned this before, but, like, believing in, like, Wicca, like... And but then I just didn't have the follow through to like actually learn more about it. I could <laughs> never get that fucking telekinesis to work. I, I tried just, so hard. I, I, I remember spending like a short amount of time like, okay, this makes sense. And like, yes, I'm going to connect. And then it just never happened. If so. I could have just made <laughs> something move with my mind, I would have been all in. Okay. I have to say I had that moment like three days ago where I was like, <laughs> oh, what was I doing? Oh, I was watching... Um, What's that? Inception? <laughs> oh, such a good movie. I watched Inception and I was like, I had this moment where I was like really angry and I closed my eyes and I raised my hands up and I just pictured like lifting everything in the room, like crashing it down. That's, yeah. Wouldn't that be amazing? Remember your self-care comment? <laughs> I think that was that moment. <laughs> yeah. Practice self-care. Supporting kids. I know, but like, can we also acknowledge that like job demands often are very cruel and not empathetic to people's ability to do self care? Yes. Like when your bosses say self care and you're like, you're part of the problem. That's why I used that used to be a trigger (laughs) word for me. Yeah. I like, was it personal medicine better? Yeah. I used to to transform that into personal wellness practices. Mm -hmm. But 
I just brought it back to self care because I think Reclaiming. it's to have the conversation. Yeah, it's about like, it. Yeah, like because like, that's the number one word people use, mm-hmm. and like let's just go there. That's let's fine. Punch it. If in you're the face. gonna tell me self care, let me tell you about how what you're asking me to do is bleeding into my personal life, and how the way that you interact with me makes that happen. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't like working outside my forty. No, I don't. But emotionally, it's hard to turn things off. Um, I'm pretty good at that. I'm hoping I'll get better. I'm pretty good at <laughs> compartmentalizing. <laughs> I've gotten better. But I, I was about to say, but I almost feel bad for it because it's like I didn't. You don't. I don't know. Like. It seems like a shame it that you have to. It dehumanizes. It does. It does. It's like okay. Well, but it's a survival skill. Is at the it, same time. Is it better that you can shoot someone at a distance because they're labeled a, a drone target and they don't have a face or a name? It does, is that actually better? And this is the dark side of self care, folks. <laughs> is it really just emotionally distancing yourself, or does it mean more than that? And I think it means more than that. But I think it, it gets this like just turn it off when you leave. Well, I don't think that I don't think we give credit to the fact how much it actually impacts people well, and that can't. it should impact people. And if you develop that skill, it's somewhat pathological. We're literally in the helping field. It should bother you. So, I'm go bothered. On. I'm sorry. <laughs> Let's go back to the woods. Okay. Three girls playing hide and seek. Morgan went to look for Anissa and Peyton because Anissa had pulled Peyton deep, deep into the woods. Morgan said, they hid and I found them. Anissa said, Morgan handed me the knife and said, I can't do it. You know where all the soft spots are. Literally everywhere on a 12-year-old. Anissa said, she handed the knife back to Morgan and said, you do it. Go ballistic. Go crazy. Oh, gosh. Make sure she's down. And then... Anissa said, Morgan told her, I'm not doing it until you tell me to. So Anissa said, I started walking away. And then when I was five feet away, I said, now. Anissa turned her back at that moment. And Anissa said, Morgan told Peyton, don't be afraid. I'm only a little kitty cat. That like raises the creep factor. (laughs) I'd be like, wait, what? I I had a friend once. Pause. I have to interject this just so it goes out in the universe at least once. When I was in elementary school, you just brought up a random memory of this girl who, like, I really liked. She was a very outcasty, and I really liked her. And there was a situation that came up where she started running around the yard and howling like a wolf. Mm. And she's like, oh. She's howling, and but she actually ran up and like scratched a girl with her nails and like made her bleed. And me being the good child I was at the time, I went and told the guidance counselor. It's <laughs> like, oh, it was really odd. She like howled and said <laughs> she was a wolf and scratched somebody. And she never talked to me again after that. And I actually thought we were really good friends. And I thought that what I did You're was lucky like, she didn't scratch you in the night. I never honestly don't remember her after that point. I think she avoided me like the plague. Or she got kicked out of camp. She was there. No, this was school. This oh, was, this was school. This was school. And she hated me. And I thought I was like helping her out. I was like something. I didn't understand how 
you know, schools follow up with things, but apparently swiftly. <laughs> I thought they were just going to like help her because I thought it like I thought I was helping her, but it ended up she got in trouble and then she was never my friend again. You're lucky she didn't turn her wolf wolfiness on you. I thought about it. She ran like where, you know, like where you like, like a loping. Like you have haunches. Yeah. Like where that you get good speed and push off of the hind legs. She practiced. That happened. Yes. And it was like, oh, mm hmm. Okay. 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 You're a wolf. You're a wolf. It's legitimate. And I should tell somebody. (laughs) (laughs) Morgan got on top of Peyton's legs, sitting on her. And then got her face up real close to Peyton's and whispered, I'm so sorry. And then started stabbing her 19 times. While she was being interrogated, Morgan said, I didn't know what I did. It sort of just happened. It didn't feel like anything. It was just air. Which surprised me because I'd always heard people say that stabbing was actually harder than they had thought it was gonna be say, counter bones and stuff that's what made me th- like i went right there of like i don't know how i like i mean i guess that's a good thing i don't know how i'd feel stabbing someone like i feel like the first time would be enough to make me like drop it and be like oh no no that was bad, <laughs> bad, bad. definitely stab someone but like to do it continuously yeah um, so i'm wondering if she was just so dissociated and that's why it just felt like air i mean and- that makes sense like you were so just focused and channeled but like was she dissociated it doesn't sound like it it sounds like she was influenced by her friend and not saying that she doesn't have responsibility i think she absolutely does but i mean does she have symptoms of dissociating prior to this? Like, I don't, I don't buy that she was so traumatized by her own act of stabbing somebody. I think she was just so convinced that she had to do it that she powered through. I mean, she just turned twelve. I've that, seen like teenagers like do that, and tell like, me horrible things. Before. <laughs> like, oh, okay. I mean, I can kind of see like in the moment, like you're traumatizing yourself by the action and dissociate from like, it. Because it's all of a sudden like, is this real? This thing we've talked about since December. This is May. So mm-hmm. they've talked about it for five months, planned it. They're already at plan C. And and now it's like they're just doing it. I wonder if she's the, just doing it. I wonder it. if the bathroom incident impacted this though. So they tried to slam her head on the wall mm-hmm. and it didn't work. Yeah. So I'm wondering if there was a moment of panic as well of like this has to like I have to be sure. Because of her panic before, I mean, she had to kind of be talked back into it. So I'm sure there was a level of, like, this has to be it. And, you know, I know that there was the whole Slenderman piece, but like you touched on before, was there that real fear about a loss of friendship mm-hmm. as mm-hmm. well? If they, if it this wasn't happen. followed through on. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they'd already kind of... Keep talking. It's bathroom time. Okay. I mean, Peyton was Morgan's best friend of a couple years. Anissa was new to the group. I'm wondering if, like, she wasn't just depersonalized in some way. I mean, we all know that groups of three never work out. There's always going to be a third wheel. It's not going to work. 
and you know Peyton I think got squeezed out of the trio and targeted and Anissa said Morgan you know thought of this thing Morgan said Anissa thought of this thing um I think Morgan's interview she was a little more cagey Anissa was a lot more direct and I'll just get into the court proceedings and Macy will miss it because she's peeing so Morgan and Anissa's lawyers argued that they be tried as children in the juvenile justice system so Macy, if they were charged as children or tried as children, they would have been released by age 18. Okay. So the lawyers argued for that. But first they had to address the issue of competency, which we've talked about. That's very difficult mm-hmm. in, a, in a court proceeding. It's difficult in regular settings. <laughs> it is. So Morgan was diagnosed with schizophrenia, unspecified, and oppositional mm. defiant disorder. So that's kind of that outsider niche. Um, believing Slenderman is real would be considered a delusion, which is a symptom of schizophrenia. But also just, I mean, fandom happens that way a lot of times. I mean, mm-hmm. I would beg to argue. Yeah, I mean, I was pretty sure John Taylor of Duran Duran and me were going to get married <laughs> at some point. Mm-hmm. And I think in that moment when you're that young, your brain actually justifies that. And not saying that that's not a delusional disorder. I, I don't know. I, I view, I almost view it differently because I've worked with adults with schizophrenia and like that's different. Well, I have, I have real problems with delusional disorder. It's one of the many disorders i have problems with there's many i just think there's so much cultural stuff oh that needs to be considered and when you bring the cultural norms in the delusions disappear Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you go oh yeah that makes sense per what they're Mm -hmm. it's a systemic issue which people have a hard time acknowledging of like everything else going on so these kids the situations they're in the friendships the peer pressure the brain development like look at the whole picture the whole picture not just say mental mentally this is what we see yeah i mean let's be holistic it's a very medical model let's just assume that they are outsiders i mean Mm-hmm. We know from a, a teacher's report that Anissa did not have friends prior to this mm. group. So outsider friend group, having this online community that you belong to gives you that sense of belonging that we all need. So then is it a delusion at that point? If it's everybody sharing the belief. Well, and I think that's the thing with online like sites like that is that it it doesn't, I mean... It wants you to believe it. Mm-hmm. It's just like adults believing in flat earth, flat earth <laughs> theory, or dare I say Trump. And those statements, I know that Is one's going to bite me. It's going to, things he says are straight up delusional at times. So, like, if you choose to believe something like that, um, I don't know, adults do it too. Yes, yes. And, and these yet, are fresh 12-year-olds. Yeah. And yet, I so they I, can't vote. <laughs> I was sad that they were not tried as juveniles when I was watching like documentaries and stuff. I was like, oh, dang it. But yeah. that explains why I'm seeing their pictures yeah. and I know yeah. their names. And 
So I guess I should have known that that was how that one shook mm-hmm. out. So Morgan, again, diagnosed with unspecified schizophrenia and oppositional defiant disorder. She was found to have other symptoms of schizophrenia, such as hallucinations, other delusions, and sensory perceptive distortions from an early age. And then it came Mm. out in the documentary that I watched that Morgan's father has schizophrenia. Mm. Now, we know that there's a strong genetic component to this. Yeah, family history. But in my research, I was not entirely sure if he'd been formally diagnosed or diagnosed himself. Which is a big difference. Big difference. Big difference. So I just want to put out that for people that are in the biz with us. Um, Do with it what you will. And this is all after the fact also Mm -hmm. that this all came out. So Morgan believed she communicated with Slenderman and he told her if she didn't kill Peyton, her family would be killed. So experts stated on the stand that they believed her diagnosis was the reason she had entered into the crime. So that's important legally. Mm-hmm. So but her of diagnosis course, of schizophrenia is why she stabbed Peyton. Anissa, uh, on the <laughs> other hand, was found to not have any characteristics of psychopathy at all says the sociopath (laughs) he's really good at well okay (laughs) which i thought was very interesting it's interesting i feel like the other one was manipulated and like may have had her own mental health stuff of being like a social outcast and that was put that was pressured against and used almost as a tool which would make the other one what's her name anisa anisa very manipulative which fits that picture very well i that's what i thought just from watching these you know interrogations and being like an outside observer was okay kids are brutal that's what i learned working in high school (laughs) they're mean perhaps morgan is more fantasy laden i could see that yeah and nisa on the other hand cold as fuck like well, I, she, I she, sense some she, sociopathy there. I see that too. Like she, she told her to do it and then turned away. Mm-hmm. She didn't want to hold the She's responsibility. She's the orchestrator of the crime. Yeah, she. And and to be fair, again on the child perspective, she didn't. She was scared enough to not do it, but she used the mental health of someone else, which again a child doesn't understand. But used the mental health of somebody else to do something that she was interested in and this is like her first friend mm-hmm. in her life yeah because she hadn't had friends so you could only imagine though like say this didn't happen the say none of this happened you know what would a niece have been like as an adult I like would she have an urge to hurt people on her own like is that something that like she wanted to do and let's that's say what i never hearing. got caught huh let's yeah, say yeah, they never yeah, got yeah. caught exactly is this a serial killer situation and that's what i'm i'm thinking like because she wanted somebody to die and she had a reason she built a reason around her d- desire for that to happen or she had the reason and then built in the motivation whichever direction it worked but either way it was too easy for it to happen i think they fed off each other i mean i don't want to strongly blame yeah, one or the I other i agree I think there was like a, a spiral into this and it became obsessive. And 
I think I just it, it was like with... a cultural thing. It's like a kid cultural thing. Like this mm-hmm. is our thing. We believe it. We're gonna live our life around it. Yeah, we we understand what other people don't. It's kind of like that secret access to information. It makes them feel powerful and in control. Um, and that somehow doing this will change something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because they were going to be proxies for mm-hmm. Slenderman and yeah. be able to live forever. And, and like, and that's where the legend kind of came in. Was big they, Rock Candy Mountain. It gave them some meaning. Slenderman's mansion. Yeah, meaning and purpose. Yes, exactly. And belonging. Exactly. So Morgan said the last thing she said was, I trusted you. And then I hate you. And then I can't see over and over and over again. And I can still hear it. I can see it if I close my eyes. Peyton had been trying to get to the road, but Anissa redirected her back towards the woods and told her they were going to get her help and then left her there to die. See, like that's that after no remorse thing that bothers me. Like, okay. Say say you were in the moment. Say you did feel Slenderman said you had to kill her, but why the lack of remorse? Yeah, why the not the oh fuck, this is our friend, like we actually killed her almost? Or like she's gonna die if we leave her here? Like it takes it it's next level. Well, because even even thinking that Slenderman would kill my family, if if I were to put myself in that position where I actually truly believed it. I would honestly convince myself that, well, if she, other people found her and saved her, I didn't counter Slenderman. Like, I did what he told me to do. You know, like, there's enough outs there that she didn't take, that she actually tried to really solidify it, which shows a lot of premeditation. I don't feel like Slenderman killing their family was their primary motivation. I think it was, I mean, let's assume they did believe in Slenderman. I think it was because they wanted to be in Slenderman's family or whatever. Yeah. It was more of a self-serving goal mm-hmm, mm-hmm. than like, I need to protect my family. Yeah. That's what I, t- I took away. So the court, court ruled that because it was a violent premeditated offense with the intent to kill someone due to the seriousness of the crime, they would be tried as adults. Dang. Peyton did physically recover from her stab wounds. That's intense. 16 times. 19. 19 times. 19. Yeah. That's a lot of stab wounds. I don't want to do one. No. Honestly. I mean. I, to be stabbed. It hurts my tummy just thinking about it. It doesn't sound good. <laughs> Anissa was sentenced to 25 years to life with three years locked confinement in a state psychiatric institute. Dang. Okay. Morgan was sentenced to the maximum 40 years. Wow. Under mental health facility supervision. And she was the youngest patient at Winnebago Mental Health Institute. I did a lot of research about mental health versus prison and people thinking that the insanity plea is like the easy out. But honestly, it's actually like the amount of testing. Like it's very hard to have people feel that you're sane enough to not hurt somebody even years later. Like the odds are so stacked against you because it's, it's their subjective feeling mm-hmm. about what you will do yeah. versus just the like if you would have served time for the crime where it's just done, 
versus, well, let's see how we feel about you or how mental healthy, you know, maybe living in an institution has helped you psychologically. I think you have Probably to do a lot not. more work in a mental health institution. Oh, yeah. Well, in a prison. And not great. We know institutions and they, I mean, not like personally, but they're not great facilities for rehabilitation. They are like stability. And being a 12-year-old in that setting? It's horrible. Yeah. And then, so I watched a follow-up video a couple years ago during their sentencing hearing where they brought them in and they're being sentenced and um, like Morgan just looked like she was on an incredible amount of antipsychotic drugs. Mm. Like she seemed zombied out. Mm. They're just drugging her. Yeah. High dosage. Yeah. That's too bad. So that's my story of the Slenderman and the Slenderman stabbing. I mean, and that's really the sad thing is like I'm I'm glad Peyton Peyton was okay. Mm-hmm. Um, Do you think the sentencing was fair? Sounds it sounds harsh to me based on what I know about child psychology. Well, and they were yes. I mean, I know it's bad. I no, know that yes. I'm glad you said that because when I was watching the sentencing hearing, like the judges at like. It was almost like from day one being mm-hmm. interrogated again about yeah. the crime. And here they are a few years older, four years older, about much more mature. Like mm-hmm. you're a full teen at that time. Yeah. And you could just tell, like, they did not believe in Slenderman anymore. Well, and that's the and thing. It just is sounded like, stupid at that point. If you know? I were to be judged by what I believed <laughs> at 12 years old... I would be like horrified if my whole future was pinned on that one thought belief that I happened to have when I was 12 years old. Yeah. Like that's horrifying. I'm yeah. like, oh gosh, no. Even if even if it wasn't a horrible outcome, even if it was just I had to be reminded of it, I wouldn't like it. I mean, it. think about 12 to 18, which if Can they would have been no? tried <laughs> as juveniles, yeah. they would have been um free at age 18 well and to me i honestly am a big proponent of rehabilitation efforts and in those and and, and honestly a lot of mental health institutions aren't rehabilitation focused it sounds like they should be but they're not it's a lot about highly medication keeping your Mm -hmm. symptoms down keeping you out of trouble keeping you subdued so and that's you know we had the whole period of why those institutions Think like, one flew over the cuckoo's neck. Exactly, exactly. So yeah, I felt bad. I, I have mean, a hard I, time thinking that that's the better outcome. Honestly. I really felt bad watching the sentencing hearings a couple of years ago. I get the parents would probably want like a like yeah, I want to have an outcome because you almost killed my daughter. I get that, but I honestly. But I've, why do we need to ruin three lives? I've worked you know? with so many teenagers that like honestly catch them on a bad day you're a different person day to day it's a different world and life every day and year to year they're completely different people absolutely the person that i met freshman year that i counseled the whole time until they graduated (laughs) like that's a different human being by the time then they come in and they give me the graduation picture and it's like this great like Oh my gosh, you're like a real human now. And it's so different. Like the problems, their perspective, their worldview, their everything is so much bigger. Everything. Like, yeah, when I was 12, I was super into Slenderman. Now yeah. I'm 16. When you first started, you were on my prison my and floor. I'm definitely not. You were on my floor. <laughs> You'd walk in and lay on the floor and talk to me. That's how we communicate. That and gel pens. Like, that's the thing. Oh my God. 
and I've and, had so many of those. I know, and I adore them all. <laughs> I know. My beanbag chair was the favorite <laughs> resting spot. And then by the time they graduate, like they'll walk by the door and they'll be like, "I haven't seen you in a while," and I just wanted yeah. to let you know I'm graduating. And I'm getting and great. I got a job. I got, I got this. That. Yeah, I'm working now, and yeah. it's like. Wow, like how far they came with support and guidance and connectedness is amazing. Where they were originally like, they're only sent to you because they're a problem initially. I mean, they could have been tried as kids and then there could have been a like a reevaluation when they were turned 18 before they're set loose. Actual rehabilitation program for youth would be amazing. Yeah, and monitoring. Because most know? of these kids do these things because of their own trauma. And I didn't hear any of that come up, which surprises me. Like I didn't hear any of that. I know, but it sounds like the parents were fairly buttoned up about that. Like, I don't know. Yeah, I just, I found myself sad at the end of it hearing what about the sentencing. Because I felt like Peyton recovered. That's mm-hmm, great. Mm-hmm. But there's these other two lives that are. Gone. basically gone yeah yeah i mean the damage is done and i guess they can come back from that and make like they still have a life but it's not the same like they're gonna be marked yeah and i felt you sad. know i kind of identified with them a little bit i already know? labeled you at the very beginning as the stabber so i mean i <laughs> was true. definitely an outsider <laughs> you know well and i identified as the victim and i still think like even if i was the one stabbed i like i wouldn't I don't know. I mean, I was a weird kid. I think 18 would be reasonable, like, but punishment enough. That's that's a long time for a kid. That would have been... Your entire childhood 12 to 18, six years. That's a lot. It's a lot. It's a lot. Yeah. Well, that's that case. That's a good topic. Thank you. I was really excited to present it to you because I knew you'd be into it. it Yeah, no, that's good. Psychology. Yeah. Well, and... uh, my aunt Kim just posed something that's very true. It's like, you know, what does recovered actually mean? Um, and a lot of people like, oh, that's such a loaded question. I know it's a loaded, <laughs> it is loaded because I mean, first of all, I like to just say that we're all different in how we approach things and how we handle things. And people with mental health disorders learn skills and learn how to cope. And many people can recover. And I like to say that just meaning that recover can actually mean that, you don't have a diagnosis anymore. You handle things within the realm of anybody else, which isn't always good. And I think that's fair to say, like people mess up, people go to extremes, people get angry, but it's these like severity, duration, how often it's like those types of questions for, mm-hmm. for like, do we actually, you know, what does recovery mean? So I think it, it is a loaded question. Yeah, it's I very think there's still or individual. an element of judgment there. Even yeah, though we try exists. to say, I think in the mental health field, we try to put a glow around that term recovery. Well, now. <laughs> yeah, now. <laughs> now. I mean, it's been like, what, last five years? I had some really good discussions about like psych- psychological research. This concept kind of came from yeah. the substance use world over to the mm-hmm. general mental health world. and mm-hmm. You know, I mean, it's it's individual. Let's just say that. I, I do like that you pulled in some cultural aspects there, though, because it does... I've talked to people where if you didn't know their cultural background, you would absolutely say like, oh, yeah, that's a mental health diagnosis. Yeah. But then you, you like believe what? Yeah. And then you listen longer and you're like, oh, OK, get it. 
but you have to know the. But whole that story. tells you how whack the DSM is because it's all oh, based it on fucking norms. And if enough people <laughs> yeah. believe it, then suddenly it's not a disorder anymore. And that's the thing is it's yeah it's so made by the medical field and who are the medical field a majority of white men yes that is actually the majority of people making those yes. decisions and that's not fair it's not fair it's not fair All down right. with the DSM <laughs> I'm not I don't like it I don't, I don't like it I don't either. like that we're dictated for treatment like okay you have do you see that it's under my stack under my laptop <laughs> yeah I see that. <laughs> That's all it is to me now. Is it's a prop. It's a piece of furniture. Yeah. To put my camera at eye level, so I don't have a weird up angle when yeah, I zoom. Absolutely. That's all this is. That's all my DSM is. And that's the thing is like it's mainly made to make sure insurances get paid. Secondary to making sure that we're speaking the same language. That's really been the main and pieces the that founders I've seen a lot. Of. Originally said it's not supposed to be for billing purposes, mm -hmm. but that's it is all it is. That's for. all it is. <laughs> um, and I do want to say, like, I've seen, I've seen even teenagers who I was concerned about harm, and it's scary in those moments because you know, like, the weight, like, the responsibility that's there with that. Um. But you can't like give up hope on those kids. And no. like that's when they need it the most. Like the most impactful sessions I've had is when everybody else has given up on them and they're sitting across from you and you are still there and you haven't left like everybody else. Mm -hmm. and, and you're not judging them. And you're not judging them and you're yeah, just there with that's them. That's big with teens. I actually the most impactful session hands down was the moment when a teen slumped down onto the floor and cried for an hour. And this was the, probably the person I felt was so potentially harmful. <laughs> and that moment of vulnerability of just that space was so important. Yeah. I think that's our number one job is to create that space. Create space. It actually works. And that's what I really like is that uh, like counseling works. So if you need help, get help. Help is available. Help is available. It's out there. And if you have thoughts and you don't know what My to do with them. My case is currently full, but there's lots of other <laughs> great counselors out there. <laughs> yes, that's true. Um, yeah. Anyways. Okay. All right. I have to get to my topic. Yes. I'm excited. Okay. Topic. Okay. Topic. Mine's kind of a, a, a Second, past. Second. Not a, last. I know. Wine down. <laughs> Here we go. I have to read too. This is hard. Wine down. Um, <laughs> is that like watership down? Yeah. So... Mine is also about children. <gasps> Connection. Mine is a historical story that's actually fairly regional. Washington State. Chelan. Do you know Chelan? I've heard of it. Is it in the like middle? Eastern. Yeah, like middle. I guess middle. Washington. Okay. Yeah. So it's central Washington. Do you know Lake Chelan? Have you heard Lake Chelan? I've heard it bantied about. Okay. It's about 55 miles long. It varies from one to two miles wide. It's the third deepest freshwater lake in the whole U.S. Oh. Like, it's really deep. It measures more than 1,500 feet in some of the places. Like, that's really deep. Deep lakes freak me out. Yeah, like, this is a deep lake. <laughs> the name Chelan is a modification of Ceylon, which is the Indian name for the lake, meaning deep water. Mm. 
it's fed it was originally fed by glaciers from the cascade mountains um lake shalam dan was dam was built in 1927 as the outlet for a lot of hydroelectrical power in the region so it actually increased the water level up to 21 feet so there's a dam there yes okay so it required new construction of roads and mountainsides to help kind of deal with this barrier like okay now there's a lot of deep water nearby so they had to reroute roads and remake everything all right so i'm gonna tell you a very sad story okay okay sadder than dumbo i would say sadder than dumbo yeah okay because it's real it's real life and it happened this was in 1945 monday Mm. morning so kids are going to school jack randall a Lake, a Lake Chelan school district bus driver was proceeding on his normal route along the west mm. side of the lake from 25 miles to Chelan picking up school kids. Miss Glenna Brown caught a ride on the bus hoping to keep a dental appointment. It had started snowing, but there's only a light bit of it on the pavement. So the school bus driver didn't bother putting on change, chains, but the snowstorm started to intensify. Mm. Started to blur his vision. Randall, he was a World War II vet, so he reported after that, like, he he didn't feel scared or that he had to pull pull over, but he actually at one point did pull over on the side of the road because his windshield wiper stopped working because they got freezed up. So he started, he pulled over to clear the windshield. So when... I'm having anxiety already. Are you? Yes. Okay. Okay, so he actually, he spent 26 months on Atu, which is the Aleutian Islands, as an army truck driver. So he was very familiar with severe winter driving. Mm-hmm. So he was like, not a not a massive deal. Like, and it's like, 1945, so, yeah. I mean, he'd probably been back for like a year, two years max. Yes. So what happened was this bus that carried 20 young students and a woman... He ended up skidding off of the South Lakeshore Road during the snowstorm. He plunged down through broken windows and reached the shore. Mm. So what ended up happening... Isn't this where your mom lives? It's kind of near there. Near there? Okay. Yeah. So he, he was driving and he couldn't see and the way that they said it happened was that there was a curve in the road and he couldn't tell there was a curve and he kept going and he drove off towards the water. Oh my God, this is like my nightmare mm-hmm. every day. So Even not in the winter because you know I can't see in the dark when I drive. <laughs> There's a lot of guessing where the road is. It is. It's scary. He plunged down a 30-foot embankment into Lake Chelan. Mm. The woman and five children managed to escape through broken windows and reach the shore. But the driver and 15 students drowned in the Mm. waters. Two bodies were recovered soon after the incident, but the bus and remaining 14 victims disappeared. What? They searched for a week. Navy divers find the whole bus sunk with mm-hmm. all the bodies, with all the kids, all the other kids. After searching for a week, Navy divers finally found the bus sitting on this ledge, more than two hundred feet down. That's deep. Mm-hmm. 
The bus is carefully hoisted to the surface. It contains the body of only four students and the driver. So more students, uh, I guess, left the bus or tried to leave the bus. Ten. Ten. According to my math. Yes, I don't do math. So that makes sense. Lake Chelan um, has a has a kind of a history of not revealing bodies. Like it's Is so it an deep. evil lake? It's just so deep that like when people go missing there, it's hard to recover their bodies. Have you ever been there? Not um I've actually think I have, but not like I haven't been swimming. I'm just wondering in lake if it has like a bad vibe to it. Maybe there we are, should figure that out. So there are some legit evil lakes. Yeah. I've been to one. One is about 40 minutes from here called Rock Lake. And mm. I will not put my foot in the water. It's legitimately evil. Yeah, it's scary. Let's go there for a field trip sometime. Sounds good. So they said that like back back then there weren't rails to stop. Like so they a lot of criticism came that the bus could have been stopped if there were oh, the like rail a guard guards. Rail? Yeah, and or they, rail guard, as you say, rail guard, <laughs> car rail, whatever. <laughs> and that it was actually supposed to have been put up the prior year, and it wasn't. So there's like that, like hindsight of you know putting off that safety thing. Was it really worth it? God, that sucks. That mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so, did they ever recover the bodies? Or so, according to surviving witnesses, approximately nine miles from Chelan. A heavy that heavy snow that came down stopped the wipers from working. Randall pulled the bus off. He started getting this ice off of the windshield, um, but he went off the road over a fifty degree angle down a thirty foot embankment. The bus rolled over twice and ended up on a large boulder with the front end five feet underwater. This becomes my fear because I've had this happen in a car before on the edge of the road in a friend's car. And I did what happened here, but luckily the bad thing didn't happen. So the bus, what happened was students, he, he, there was a lot of confusion. He ordered everybody to get out of the bus. Uh, Students were frantically trying to escape. Mary Condone, a student, so she was a 17-year-old. She actually kicked a window out near the back. Good for her. As she and others left the bus, though, it it became overbalanced and slid off the rock. Oh, shit. Mm-hmm. Only six passengers escaped before the bus went down. The so sur- what should they have done instead? The survivors were Miss Glenn Brown, a 37-year-old. So that was the one who took it to get to the dentist appointment. She was the only adult to survive. Could you imagine? Like, I feel like I'd feel a lot of guilt. Massive survivor guilt. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So she just took herself off the bus and, like, hut kids out ahead of her? I mean, she she escaped the bus, and that was the really... uh, Donald Mack was 13, Um, and actually, I'll talk about that here in a minute. Um, Ethel Keck was 9, Robert Watson, 8, Peggy Rice, 16, and and Mary Condone was 17. I hope that I would get the kids off before me. I just hope. So, Donald Mack... So, Donald Mack's 13 years old here. He escaped through the broken window. He swam ashore... Um, and got on the embankment. He found a U.S. Forest Service like emergency telefo- telephone nearby, Handy. right? Um, and called for help on the road. Mac was joined by Robert Watson and Mary Condone as they flagged down passing cars, telling them that the bus had gone into the lake. Peggy Rice was credited with dragging. So Peggy Rice is 16. 
She was credited with dragging most of the survivors to safety. Go Peggy Rice. Right? Ironically, the first car at the scene was driven by her father, Albert Rice, who was with their son, had been a few minutes behind the school bus. So he had pulled up shortly after. Mm. After helping Glenna Brown, Peggy Rice, and Ethel Keck up the embankment, they looked for more survivors, but none of them were found. Because the bus had tipped all the way Mm -hmm. under the water at this point? Yeah. Albert Rice and other motorists took the survivors to the hospital for medical attention. Um, They were unsure how many students were in the bus for a while, so they had to, um, like, wait until they figured out what the final count was. That's why you knew that clipboard. Mm-hmm. We spoke of the clipboard we many did. times. We have. It's important to know how many people are involved in things. You it's need important. to know who's accounted for and Absolutely. who is not accounted for. So the alarm spread, emergency vehicles arrived, and the Washington State Patrol and Chelan County Sheriffs uh, started roadblocking and set up a small canvas tent, a tugboat. A and they, tugboat? I know, a tugboat. Wait, I don't think they have their own engines. Do tugboat they? and a hundred foot oar. Oh no, the tugboat. Has I, I would engine. assume it would. It tugs, it tugs the boats that don't. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. Not the tugged, I'm from the city. Is it the tugged boat that you're thinking of? Uh, yeah, the tugged boat. Does yes. Not have it, so yes. Okay. Yeah. The pink squirrel online said the picture's horrific. Yeah, because there's actually here. I'll show you real quick. There's photos of the bus after it's pulled back oh, up. Oh shit. Yeah. Damn. I know, right? It's sad. So, and there was bodies in that bus. Some of the bodies, but not many. Uh, and to me, it actually like bothers me more about the ones that weren't recovered. So they were never recovered. Yeah, no, like it just they're at the bottom of the list, like too deep to find them. So then they started doing dives. Uh, the U.S. Borough of Reclamation trucks arrived at Grand Coulee Dam and started doing deep sea diving and with air compressors. So they were, like, trying to find the bus, trying to find the kids. And the the um, fire truck with the resuscitation device, like, they stayed all night long with, like, get ready to go for kids to come mm. up. It was sad. The search resumed Sunday morning, December 1st, 1945. Chief Petty Officer C.E. Myers followed the trail of debris and found the bus after 10 a.m., was resting on a ledge upside down, 275 oh. feet from the shore, about 210 feet down. Yeah, not good. This reminds me of, like, a story that you would tell, like, mm-hmm. at a campfire to scare like people, but story. it's actually true. Yeah. After returning to the service, Myers was taken to the decompression chamber to return to recover from his dive. He reported seeing bodies, but visibility inside the bus was poor and he couldn't give like a like a number of people. The next diver, Walter McRae, fastened cables around the front axle and then winches they put around the bus. Um, their goal was really to be able to remove the bodies. Divers found only five victims in the bus, including the driver, Jack Randall, who was, like, wedged in. They continued searching around the wreck site for the nine missing children, but recovery efforts were eventually suspended when no bodies were found. So they were never found. Never found. Yeah. So could a skeleton at this point, like, 
possibly be Float found. to the surface? I mean, it's... This is why I don't touch the water when I go <laughs> in the lake. There's so many, like, like I don't touch the ground, I mean. There. I like yeah. to stay right at the surface. A lot of floating at the top. That's yeah, what I do. Yeah, yeah. So, Wednesday, December 5th, 1945, funeral services were held for the five victims. The city of Chelan closed schools, offices, stores, allowed everyone in the community to grieve. So... Small boats circled the area where the bus was found, dropping flowers into the water after it happened. Oh. That's sad. They it's then, a small community, probably, so probably yeah, everybody yeah. was affected. Yeah. I mean, that's a lot of their children, right? Yeah. That's a lot. Investigation. So they started doing investigations of, like, what happened. Um, they said Randall didn't realize the road was bending to the right, and he drove diagonally across the road over the bank into the lake. Ugh. <laughs> excuse me sorry um they said there, there was no mechanical defects that they could find in the bus once they did pull it up um but they did you know intensify state patrols for school bus inspections after that mm. but there were no mechanical defects found so the biggest thing was about preventing school buses from driving when weather conditions are unsafe okay um, which made me think about like when schools like here, when I moved here from Snohomish <laughs> where there's no snow or very little snow, there's like, oh, there's two feet of snow. I don't have to go to school. And then it was like, what do you mean the school bus is? <laughs> what? We don't cancel? Um, like this region is so used to snow, like the buses drive in snow all the time, but they're mm -hmm. often have chains. Yeah, they usually do the chains. Mm hmm. I mean, when I first moved up here, they never canceled school for snow. It's only been in the last decade that that mm -hmm. started, where now they build in snow days and everything into the mm -hmm. calendar. But when I first moved here, like, it didn't fucking matter. You get your ass to school. Well, and it was the, a lot more hardcore. The parents, like, really pointed out that the concrete guardrails that were supposed to have built, been built there weren't and that it could have prevented the whole thing. And so that really got put on the city of Chelan for putting that off. Uh, Chelan did this whole thing where they, you know, they improved it, that road section, they built the guardrail, they oiled it in 1946. Like they tried to do all these things to counter. But again, it's, you know, that doesn't feel good for Is the, the guardrail up now? I think so. I hope okay. so. Maybe we should go see it. I feel like maybe we should go to the site. Maybe yeah, there's like a close enough a placard or something up. I feel like there should be. There should be for mm -hmm. sure. So a lot of the the reasons why they can't get deep enough is that they're limited by the length of air hoses. So they only really descend 130 feet on the first dive. They sent more hose later. And then later, but again, as it became longer. So let's see. On Tuesday, November 27, 1945, the O'Donnells recovered the body of foreman Ronald Ayers, age 13, and followed a trail down a rock ravine marked by scarred rocks, yellow paint scrapings, and broken glass. Hmm. At 200 feet, the divers came to a ledge in the visible end of the trail. It was also the limit to which they could safely descend with their equipment. So they're... Recovery efforts were abandoned and buoys were placed in the water, marking the spots where the bus disappeared and floating debris, papers, lunchboxes had been spotted. And then um, the Naval District in Seattle agreed to take over the recovery operations at that point. So there was a lot of like 
they could see like glimpses. That's just so sad for the families because I mean, at this point, they just want their kids body back back, to bury them and Mm -hmm. i mean for the ones that never get that closure like that just sucks Mm -hmm. because i mean i know i would always be like holding out a little hope like maybe they got out and they crawled ashore and they lost Mm -hmm. their memory and they're living a totally different life somewhere else Mm -hmm. so the, the Navy divers determined the bus, the bus probably landed on a shelf of rock 280 feet below the surface, about 150 yards from the spot where it fell in. Um, the ledge, however, ended abruptly a few yards farther out in the lake that dropped over 1,400 feet. So it dropped very deep. If the bus was found was not found on the ledge, they said that there would be little chance of recovery of the bus. 1,400 feet, that's hella deep. That's that is hella deep. So they kept searching, they kept searching. Um, and on Thursday morning, they descended 262 feet down. He said for nine minutes and covered a circle of 60 feet in diameter. And they they spent about four hours, um, because they to avoid the bends of being down there for so long, they the can bends. only go down for a beware yeah. the bends. Beware the bends. Didn't we have that as a topic? No, we have not. Have we talked about the bends? No, we have not. Okay. Future. Future thing. Topic. Possibility. So they did end up finding the bus Saturday morning. So, you know, that's a whole week, almost a week oh, later. they did. They okay. did. Um, it was 275 feet from the shore. After returning the service, Myers was taken to a decompression changer to recover from his dive because it was so impactful on his body. He reported seeing bodies, but visibly inside the bus was poor. He was unable to give the count again, that final count. So when they pulled the bus up, they only found five kids and the driver, Jack Randall. Hmm. And the other nine missing children never got recovered with the bus. Do you think they went down? down I mean, I, I have this idea because so the 17 year old is the one that kicked the window out in the back of the bus. I could imagine a lot of kids trying to get back there when they found a point of exit because they they said there was a lot of initial confusion about how to get out because they were being instructed. But the bus, the doors aren't open. And so I could see like that clogging effect happening mm. and then kids like getting out. But then being so deep down or getting like lost underwater of like not knowing which way it's up and down because you get disoriented because the bus was upside down. Right. So if the bus is upside down and you get out of the window, what do you do? I've had nightmares about this. Do you swim down? Yeah. I've had nightmares about this exact thing. So this makes me think I had to figure out which way was up and like get out the window. That makes me think of like my fear of like an avalanche because part of what you have to do is spit. So you can see, yeah, because if you spit and it goes the other way, then you know that you're upside down. So then you don't dig the wrong direction. But if you're underwater, how do you know that? So if you get out of the bus and you start swimming the other way. I mean, I guess maybe the same thing where Mm -hmm. if you have a little oxygen in your mouth, you could like blow a bubble out and see which way it goes and follow the bubble. Yeah. Because if it's too deep, like you would think, oh, I just mm-hmm. see the light. But if you're too far down, you won't see you're that. You're not going to see and then, that. And in a snowstorm, you know, that's, you know, the sunlight, it's going to be dark. Or if it's at night. And it's very you're cold. Not see that. So imagine very cold weather, too. So there's hypothermia. Be so disorienting. Yeah. Yeah. Like you don't know which way to go. If it's pitch dark, everybody's mm-hmm. panicking, like you're being kicked. And mm-hmm. 
everybody's trying to fight their way out. Yeah, and you and don't know where out is. So nine people made it out of that bus, and there was only one open window in the back. I mean, I guess we should say that's a miracle that yeah, nine people fought their way out of that bus. Nine kids, out. and and I think that you know they that that is a feat within itself. So that topic actually made me think about like bus safety and like our buses. There's no safe. bus safety. I mean. Okay, so I have to say, as I, far as seatbelts and stuff, I did the same thing and was like, they don't have seatbelts, they don't have blah blah blah. Okay, but just to give some fair credit here, I did some research, and buses. Did you ride the school bus? I did. Yes, buses are actually safer than most vehicles because of their large appearance, the coloring. It's actually a legal requirement to yield to them. They're actually made physically to be safer. The higher because they're higher up. Why don't they make people buckle up though? The number so that's a lot of design based issue there, and it would cost a lot of money to switch that. And I did find that in, um, in the do research. Do the windows like go all the way down? They don't go all the way. They go halfway down. I know. I feel like that's another like potential safety issue. Yeah, there's potential things... safety and lack mm -hmm. of safety all in one. Like. If it yeah. goes all the way down, little kids are going to be jumping out. But if it doesn't and there's an emergency, then how do you get out? Well, and their, yeah, their thing is like, well, we don't want the window to go all the way down and have a kid jump out of the window <laughs> while driving. Um, and the thing is, is from the research I found, the actual number of bus accidents are very small, like compared to anything else. They're actually very minimal. I agree with you. That doesn't mean we can't make them the safest we can because there are children. I guess the seatbelt thing, it just doesn't make sense. Like, and the how hard of, is that to just the number throw of, some seatbelts in there? Then it's hard. Apparently, it's like millions of dollars Fucking for a district. It. Right? But but the thing is, what they're saying is like most of the accidents, so like this accident was investigated for this as well, and they said it wouldn't have saved anybody. You really wouldn't have. Actually, seatbelts probably would have kept people stuck in their seats I and didn't not ride the school bus and not out the window because it wasn't cool. So I walked to school, even though it was like hella far. I believe that. Actually. <laughs> oh, it's true. Yeah, I walked to a whole different neighborhood. Yeah, versus ride the school bus. So I'm just saying, like, I went in with the anti-school bus mindset and I did research and honestly just kind of had to, like, sit on it because <laughs> I was like, okay, well, like, statistically speaking, I'm wrong, but I still feel like you could do, you know, like, why not do the best you can? But honestly, in that situation, seatbelts wouldn't have helped. That's not a seatbelt situation. That's a being hung upside down and not being, right. like, fumbling with the seatbelt. Yeah, so, and it was the 40s. It's, yeah, it's the 40s. I mean, like, they didn't even happens. require seatbelts in cars, so... Seatbelts yeah. is probably some, not the answer. Some in that school situation. buses now, newer buses in certain districts do have seatbelts. Um, it's based on the manufacturer of the, the buses. Mm. Yeah. My kids' grandpa on their dad's side was a school bus driver. Oh, my dad wanted to be a school bus driver, that or a hobo under the bridge. Hmm. Which did he choose? A hobo under the bridge. <laughs> <laughs> Less liability. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Less uh, smelling kids' farts. That's true. It's similar to prison, which he's familiar with already. So yeah, wow. Your dad <laughs> has led a long and storied life. Yes. Is he on the, yeah. the room right now? Oh yeah. Oh okay. So he probably has lots to say about this topic. Oh I'm sure. Yeah. 
So that's, that's my topic. There's really no happy resolution to that. Unfortunately, it, it happened, it exists. And uh, I never knew that about Lake Chelan, which is so close to us that I didn't know had like that level of like child ghosts in it. So yeah, I'm wondering if we went there, if we'd be able to find the spot, like, is it marked? Well, I think it's um, all you'd have to do is find the the phone on the oh, nearby is that still there i'm sure it is it's the national forestry phones so, oh shit yeah there's still national forestry phones there is for yeah like forestry disasters i guess what yeah it's a thing. damn it there's people that have those jobs i think it'd be interesting to see if like like locals you know like if we went to a coffee shop would they know about yeah, it? If yeah. If we asked about it, would they know about it? So, Maybe they had and actually, relatives let, or something. Let me tell you this. This wasn't something I came up on my own. I actually had someone who lived in the area who, like, she went to school in that area. And, like, she grew up knowing that that had happened there. Uh, um, so it was kind of, like, things that she had heard about like in the legend. past. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, did she swim in the lake? Oh, no. She never. I, I she never knowing brought that up. I'm assuming no. <laughs> nine to ten ghost children. I mean, she grew up knowing that that happened, so I'm probably sure that she didn't. How long do skeletons remain in the water? I don't know. I'm sure there's a Spokane test for that. I feel like... <laughs> you get a lot of bodies in our river. That would be important to know. Lakes are so... Like, those really deep ones are really ominous because... I feel like the cold water down there could preserve things for a long time. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden they're kind of shook loose for some reason. And again... A big sturgeon shooks it loose. The third deepest in the U.S. That's really deep. It's really deep and spooky. Spooky. Yeah. Deep lakes creep me the fuck out. Yeah. I like seeing cool things underwater, like old sunken ships and stuff. I like that. In real life? Like with your own eyeballs? I do. Remember we skated past that one area where there's that ship in the water, that old boat? Remember? What are you talking about? You can see the outline? You saw it. I pointed it out to you. Did you? When was this? When we skated on the skinny trail that sucked. The one that was like all like the. Oh. You know what I'm talking about. Yeah. But I don't think that was like. There's like an old boat that's underwater. Yeah, but like a big boat. There's probably not bodies in it. Well, I mean, I don't know that. Yeah, we don't know. That's true. Oh. That's true. We don't know. There's, there's, no, there's a boat right there underwater. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, we see a lot of things on the skate. It's true. Yeah. All right. All right. Until next time, don't stab your friend. And maybe help him out the window first. Woo-hoo. All right. Till next time, guys. See you later. Bye. Yay.